Before we start, just a quick warning that this episode contains descriptions of violence or sexual content that may not be suitable for all listeners. We're on some windswept grassland on the edge of tall, rocky cliffs. A small group of knights and archers have been digging for days. It feels like forever since they landed their two small ships at the foot of those cliffs and picked their way up to the high ground at the top. They've been working with spades and shovels, hammers and timber to build a makeshift coastal fort right at the very end of a rugged spit of land that sticks out into the sea. Below them, waves crash against the jagged rocks, but the swell and roar of the sea is drowned out by the sound of metal cutting through wood and soil and the grunts of men working fast to dig trenches and build up earthen ridges. They're making a double embankment, two huge parallel walls of stone and clay, 200 feet long with a deep ditch between them. These walls cut off the tip of the spit from the mainland. They form the forward line of defence. Behind the men and on their flanks, they're protected by the sheer drop of the treacherous cliffs. Once their defences are finally built, there comes another noise. It's a low, almost musical groan, accompanied by the slow tramp of heavy feet. Cows. Dozens of them. The warriors have rustled some cattle from the pastures inland. The cows are strong and healthy in this part of the world. They'll provide milk and meat for weeks or even months. The man in charge of all these soldiers is a Welshman known as Raymond the Fat. He hopes they won't be holed up behind their walls for too long, but better to be safe than sorry. It's late spring 1169, on the southern coast of Ireland, at Baginbun Bay to be precise. Raymond the Fat and his men are spearheading a full-blown Plantagenet invasion of Ireland. Their invasion will come to shape the world as we know it. But as they hunker down behind their fortifications, I don't think these men are too worried about the distant future. What's higher up their list of concerns is avoiding getting butchered by the local Irish tribes. Which is something they're going to have to deal with sooner rather than later. Because they've barely finished their wall building and cow thieving when their lookouts spot a band of irate Irish warriors approaching from a nearby town. It's a scary sight. Raymond the Fat only has 10 knights and 70 archers under his command. The Irish heading towards them number in the hundreds, maybe even a thousand. Raymond screams at his men to fall back behind their earthworks to the tip of the rocky spit. And it seems he's right to be worried. When he looks around the makeshift fort, he sees more cows than knights and archers. But then again, that might not be a bad thing. I'm Dan Jones, and from Something Else and Sony Music Entertainment, this is History, a dynasty to die for. Episode 9, Conquest. When Henry III chose his royal advisers, he ended up with some very untrustworthy power grabbers, which led to poor management decisions, rebellions, and at least one person in prison. Why didn't he use Indeed? 
Well, Indeed wasn't around back then, but it is today. Indeed is the ultimate hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and matching technology that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. When I was hiring, I didn't use Indeed either, and the process was very slow and stressful, so I wish I had. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a £100 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Dynasty. Indeed.com slash Dynasty. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Last episode, Henry II was in big trouble. Or at least he was about to be. Over Christmas 1170, four of his knights had very unfestively murdered the Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Becket, and smeared his brains around the cathedral floor. News of this atrocity shot round Europe and made Henry public enemy number one. Yes, Becket had been astonishingly annoying, but he was also a high-ranking churchman, and, as we heard, he was obsessed with his image. He surrounded himself with friends that he was certain would look after the Becket brand if he died. And that's exactly what they did. Becket's corpse is barely cold before his blood and scraps of his clothes have been parcelled up as holy relics. Outraged letters condemning his murder fly round Europe. Henry is in deep trouble. The Pope is so mad when he hears about Becket's death that he refuses to speak to any Englishman for a week. There are strong rumours he's going to excommunicate Henry, damning the king's immortal soul to hell. Aside from the whole eternal damnation thing, getting cut off by the Pope would also be a PR disaster, threatening Henry's grip on political power. And as if that wasn't bad enough, there's a papal interdict being prepared which would ban all church services in England indefinitely. No weddings, baptisms, funerals or masses. Panicking, Henry closes every port in England so the official papers declaring an interdict can't reach him. He realises that he should take himself out of the picture for a while too, while things cool off. But Henry being Henry... He doesn't go off to, say, a monastery to contemplate his misdeeds and the mysteries of the universe. Instead, he decides to go off and conquer Ireland. Now, the Becket blowback is a convenient excuse, but Henry has been trying to conquer Ireland for a long time, almost as long as he's been king. The year after Henry was crowned, Pope Adrian IV issued a papal bull called Laudabiliter. A papal bull is a name for a sort of official document issued by the Pope. There's still lots of debate over the Laudabiliter text, but basically it seems to have said that since Ireland isn't really very obedient to the Catholic Church, it would be awesome if someone in the neighbourhood would go over there and bring them into line. And here's a nice bit of trivia for you. Adrian IV is the only Englishman ever to be Pope. So it's very likely that the person he had in mind to go and sort Ireland out is an English king, and perhaps one like Henry, who seems to have had a bit of a thing for conquering places. Henry toyed with the idea of conquering Ireland as soon as Lord Abilitaire was announced. But he already had plenty on his plate, securing his English crown in the 1150s. 
so he waited until the 1160s to make his first move. His chance came when an Irish ruler called Dermot MacMacada, who claimed to be king of the eastern province called Leinster, lost a power struggle and had to flee to England. In 1166, Dermot asked Henry to be a pal and to support him in going back to Ireland and staking his claim. Dermot also made sure he got some military backing from various lords and rulers in Wales and Western England, including a powerful earl called Richard Fitzgilbert de Clare. He's better known to history as Strongbow, and yes, the cider is named after him. In 1169, these lords started sending men over to Ireland to help Dermot take power. Our friend Raymond the Fat, with his army of knights, archers and cows, is leading one of many small invading forces. All of them are hoping to get rich, helping Dermot, and maybe seize some land for themselves. So let's get back to Raymond. Seriously outnumbered, a herd of cows the only thing between him and being hacked to death by hundreds of Irish warriors. After the break. Warmer, sunnier days are finally arriving. As outside is calling, Factor is here to make sure that however busy you get, your meals are taken care of, giving you all the energy and time to enjoy that weather. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So, no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp and, oh yes, blackened salmon. Don't mind if I do. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine and give yourself time to focus on what makes you happy. What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash danjones50 and use code danjones50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code danjones50 at factormeals.com slash danjones50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. The world's full of people celebrating their successes, but if the Plantagenets have taught us anything, it's that failing is much more interesting. So that's why I'm certain you're going to love the podcast How to Fail. The very brilliant Elizabeth Day invites guests on to talk about three of their biggest failures and what they've taught them about life. It's a great way to hear a new side to people you may think you know. Guests include Bernie Sanders, Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Stanley Tucci. Give it a try. Find How to Fail wherever you get your podcasts. Raymond the Fat's invasion of Ireland came several years before Henry really went all in to take the country. But it's still important. It's an example of just how brutal these skirmishes could be, helping us to get our heads around what was at stake in Ireland in the 1100s and why it still echoes in international politics today. So here we have Raymond looking out from his makeshift defences at the approaching Irish war party and then back at his own little company of knights and archers and cows. Behind them, there's only a perilous drop to the sea. Only a genius or a madman could have figured a way out of this one I'll leave it up to you to decide which you think Raymond is. Because this is what he decides to do. Instead of coming out from behind his earthworks to try and force the Irish away, Raymond lets the enemy troops march right along the rocky spit until they get to the low wall. And then he simply opens the gates. 
which probably causes a lot of confusion among the Irish. And the confusion is doubled when, from inside the gates, charges not a tiny band of knights on a suicide mission, but a rampaging herd of cattle. Now, I don't know if you've ever been charged by a cow in a field, but I have, and I don't mind telling you, it is scary as hell. Even worse, to make these beasts super angry, Raymond and his men are whipping the cows from behind, encouraging them to stampede. Understandably, the cows cause chaos among the Irish, who are pressed in huge numbers in front of the earth walls. Panic spreads as the warriors desperately try to avoid being trampled or gored to death. They get pushed right to the edge of the rocky spit and then over the edge, tumbling down the cliffs to be cut to pieces on the rocks or drowned in the sea. As the first men begin to fall, the panic reaches fever pitch and the cows become even more frantic. Then, with the Irish in total disarray, Raymond the Fat orders his archers and knights to attack. The advantage of numbers that the Irish seem to have is turned against them. Men are tumbling down cliffs, being crushed by livestock and chopped to pieces by knights. There's an original account of the battle called The Song of Dermot and the Earl, which describes all this. They rushed upon the Irish in a very short space of time. The Irish could not withstand them. They were obliged to break ranks, and Raymond and his Englishmen rushed between the Irish. Because their ranks were broken, the Irish were thrown into such disarray that their last company fled in this confusion. And as if there isn't already enough horror unfolding, Raymond's men start taking prisoners and dragging them back behind the wall. They don't hold them for ransom. Instead, they decapitate them with axes and hurl them over the cliffs to be smashed on the rocks or drowned. It's absolutely brutal. They gave an axe of tempered steel to a servant girl who beheaded them all and then threw the bodies over the cliff. The Song of Dermot and the Earl says that the axe was wielded by a girl called Alice of Abergavenny who must have travelled with Raymond's forces. Apparently she'd lost her lover in the battle and wanted revenge. After the battle, the Irish lament to one another that at the creek of Baginbun, Ireland was lost and won. A year after this massacre, Strongbow arrives in Ireland. Remember him? He's the English Earl who pledged military support to Diarmuid. He leads a major expedition against Ireland's biggest city, Dublin, and seizes it. Then he fights off several attempts by local chieftains to drive him away. And finally, after Becket's death, in 1171, along comes the main man, King Henry II. Unlike his knight, Raymond the Fat, Henry arrives not with two ships, but with 400. When he lands, he's the first English king ever to set foot on the island. Henry summons Strongbow to meet him, and the new ruler of Dublin pays homage to him, meaning that Strongbow performs a ceremony recognising that the overall boss of his lands is now Henry. Some of the native Irish kings come and do the same, although others refuse point-blank to show any submission to an English ruler. Perhaps most importantly, church leaders in Ireland do acknowledge Henry's lordship, and they write to the Pope, telling him that they're prepared to reform the Irish church to bring it into line with the Roman one. 
That's a major victory, helping to redeem Henry's reputation in Rome, where his name has been dragged through the mud ever since Becket's murder. And Henry enjoys lording it over Ireland, and stays there for a year or so. When he leaves, he makes arrangements for what amounts to a full colonisation of the country. English garrisons are placed in big cities like Dublin, Meath and Wexford. Lords like Strongbow are given Henry's blessing to carve up native Irish kingdoms as they please and invite English lords and settlers over to occupy them. It's arguably in these years English kings develop their firm belief that they have a right to rule Ireland, which goes hand in hand with English dictated religious policy. Today, nearly 900 years later, the repercussions of that are still with us. Centuries of war, attempted colonisation, rebellion and sectarian tension, both within Ireland and across the Irish Sea, are rooted in Henry's interference in Irish politics in the 1170s. And all he was trying to do was distract from the Becket scandal. In the short term, Henry gets his distraction. But it isn't long after he returns to England before new threats are rearing up before him. This time, they stem from his own family, his wife and his increasingly troublesome children. And it'll take a lot more than a herd of angry cows to sort them out. That's next time on This Is History. As always, if you're craving more Plantagenet drama, I've got you covered. Join me on This Is History Plus, where every Thursday I release an extra episode revealing the weird details, fun facts and fascinating subplots we don't have time for in the main story. And on top of that, as a subscriber, you'll get all our episodes ad-free. Just visit This Is History on Apple Podcasts and click Try Free at the top of the page to start your free trial today. Or visit thisishistorypod.com to get access wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, if you're enjoying the show, please do give us a rating or review. It's a great way to support us and help new people find the podcast.